Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, hello, hello. I am delighted to be joined by Benjamin, who is the director of the Palestine Solidarity Campaign, thus, of course, one of the absolute key leaders of the movement in solidarity with the Palestinian people. Obviously, in terms of the decades of oppression, occupation and apartheid, and now specifically the mass slaughter, which is taking place um, with Israel uh, massacring thousands of innocent people with the support of our government and Western governments. Ben, it's such an honour to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Good to be here. Firstly, I mean, it does strike me. It's, it's just the world turned upside down. The amount of gaslighting mm. whereby the real extremists are the people being portrayed as those who oppose 4,000 plus children being slaughtered. Mm. And it's a lot more because there's Unfortunately, lots of bodies trapped in the rubble who aren't counted. And the real moderates are the people who support what the United Nations calls collective punishment and some UN special rapporteurs are calling genocide. What, 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 what is going on? What's their strategy here? Well, yeah, look, there's, I mean, some of this is very, very familiar to anybody who's been campaigning for Palestinian rights for years. Um, but it's really stark now because of the scale uh, of, of what we're witnessing so you know anyone who's been in this terrain knows that if you um if you campaign for palestinian rights if you try to accurately define what's the nature of palestinian oppression uh if you use appropriate terms like apartheid if you talk about the palestinian people's right of return then you find yourself uh you know accused of support for terrorism you find yourself accused of anti-semitism you find yourself even accused of having genocidal uh, intents towards all the jewish people so those are sort of familiar narratives um, that have been there for years and they play themselves out whenever we're doing a demonstration one aspect of that um, is to try to focus on a small element of people who might attend a large march with a, a problematic placard and say that's indicative of the entire march what I think is going on here, though, is the starkness of the situation now, because, you know, we're seeing a sort of something quite unprecedented. Very, very early on, I think in the first week, um, when Israel began its indiscriminate bombing, I watched Newsnight and I saw an American political analyst, and he wasn't being inhuman. He was, he was given a forensic answer to a question, which was, how long do you think it will be before... Israel is under serious pressure to call a ceasefire and how many Palestinians do you think might die? And he went through a calculation of how many had been killed in Gaza in 2014. And that was like 2000 Palestinians, 500 children. We use that as a benchmark, as an appalling sort of ledger of a scale of suffering. You know, for years, I've been referring back to what happened in 2014. He said, well, if you look at that, and you look at how many have been killed in the first few days, then I think we're probably talking at least 10 to 20,000 deaths before we might get an intervention. And I remember being absolutely chilled. And even at that point, with all of my knowledge, thinking that's inconceivable. That couldn't happen. That couldn't unfold without our political leaders acting. 
But instead, what we've seen is the same narratives being used that, you know, Israel has a right to defend itself. Yeah. Um, rhetoric about, of course, everyone has to respect international law, but a complete fate and an inability to answer the question, well, is it? And is this a war crime? One of the worst moments was, of course, Keir Starmer being asked directly, OK, you, you're telling us you can't say whether this is a violation of international law because you have to wait for a lawyer to tell you. Is it moral? Is it immoral to be doing this? And he said, I can't I can't make that judgment. So actually what we've seen and underpinning all of that, um, and I have to say this, is an inherent dehumanizing of the Palestinian people. I've been making the argument, I think, when you're witnessing what we're witnessing, when we know it's going to increase, the only real rationale for saying, I don't think we should have a ceasefire, ultimately, is you think Palestinian lives don't matter. They don't actually count. Um, and then we're, you know, what we're doing is endorsing a sort of rhetoric of what's going on from Israel. You think of what it did at Jabalia um, camp, where it said, well, we attacked to kill a Hamas commander. And the fact that 120 Palestinians died, we've now got a new scale of so-called proportionality. Mm -hmm. That we're accepting we're not accepting it but our political leaders are saying that's okay i mean i have to say one of the things that's just been driving me completely mad i've worked in the media industry now for 12 years i'm not naive about the media industry I'm not naive about the systemic racism that defines this industry mm. i'm shocked nonetheless not surprised actually but shocked mm. that it's possible to watch such horror like mm. apocalyptic scenes and little kids suffering the most horrific deaths and they're still within most of the media there isn't a sense of oh my god what the hell is happening this has to stop are we i mean it, it's it is there isn't it strikes me not a subtlety of of a sense of the media might as well just say we just don't think palestinian life matters very much yeah, I think I think that's absolutely true. And it is, as I say, although we're all familiar with this, when you see it unfold in this scale, it's shocking. I've had the experience um, at recent demonstrations of people coming up to me um, as we're assembling. I've never experienced this before. People coming up to me, um, actually grief-stricken, people coming up to me and just um, weeping some I know, some I don't. I think they've seen my media appearances and they're coming up to me. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. And in a sense, part of the reason why they're marching is they, they need the reassurance that they're not going mad, that there's a whole body of other people that are witnessing this and seeing this in the same way. And they want to find something they can do to channel that into action to say this has got to stop. Um, so I think that's familiar. The other thing, of course, that's going on, though, is a complete... Um, unwillingness uh, to contextualize this so that if you make an effort to say the clock didn't stop ticking it didn't start ticking on October the 7th um, that there is a history here then of course you immediately find yourself in an argument of are you justifying what Hamas did I have to keep going into interviews where I keep having to make the point and I always go to the framework of international law as imperfect as it is so that's the framework we have to use um, you know, to justify any use of force. International law does say that an oppressed people have a right to defend themselves, including through armed resistance, but it makes clear that the targeting, killing of civilians, taking of hostages are illegal. So you condemn them no matter who does it. 
but you should be able to say all of that and say these things don't happen in a vacuum um and part of the narrative that you know um, we keep hearing it's a it's a it's a line the israeli ambassador always uses say um, well there was a ceasefire there was a ceasefire up to october the 6th you think well let's just push the clock back a tiny bit in the history let's go back even just just as far as january the first this year and between then and october the 6th 250 palestinians including dozens of children were killed in the west bank by israeli forces and by armed settlers in one week in one week in 2023 uh Israeli settlers set fire to 17 Palestinian villages. We have Israeli ministers openly calling, you know, Bezalil Smotrich saying a particular village, Harawa, should be erased from the face of the earth. So that's the idea of a ceasefire. But if we go back to where we need to go back, we've had a decades-long military occupation. And since 1948, a state established on a process of ethnic cleansing, 750,000 Palestinians, including all of my extended family, forced from their homes. And then the, you know, the imposition of a system that there's a consensus emerging across international civil society and saying it meets the definition of apartheid. So that's the context in which all of this is occurring. And part of what I would say is, you know, if you build a system of apartheid that's built on the principle that certain people have rights and others don't, you have to dehumanize those to whom you deny rights. And what we're seeing is is the almost inevitable but stark and brutal consequence of that, that you end up just justifying and carrying out what we can only describe as an unfolding genocide. But what's appalling, um, and I think we are all facing, but our political leaders are facing a fundamental moral test, but I think and believe history ought to judge them for, which is what are you doing in this moment as this unfolds? And all of those politicians who at the moment are failing to call for a ceasefire should be held to account. They should be held. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Very, very, very well put. I mean, I'm, I'm glad we, we mentioned just the number who were killed in the West Bank before October the seventh, because the point there, Bas, when people say the ceasefire was broken, is the argument is, yeah. do you think the families of those 250 people think that the ceasefire was intact? Yeah. And that just because if they were Israeli, if they were 250 Israeli civilians who'd been killed, then nobody yeah. would say, consider that a ceasefire. And that in itself reveals just how much Palestinians have been dehumanized because the other way around it, if there was five, if there was three, if there was one Israeli civilian killed, 
that would be regarded as a ceasefire over. Yeah. Just in terms, just the other, just in terms of politicians, um, because we often get this kind of walked about trolling. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, in, in a world of so much evil, why are you focusing on this? And I, can, <laughs> I had some unfortunate few souls on, on, on social media going, why don't you ever talk about Yemen? I've written about 10 columns in Yemen. No, no columnist has written more about Yemen than I have. I've been to the Yemeni refugee camp. The only time I ever wept on camera was uh, in a Yemeni refugee camp. Um, but, but, you know, that is a bloodbath in which perhaps uh, 15,000 civilians have been killed by Saudi airstrikes over several years in a country 22 times bigger. And that's not to belittle the horrors of Yemen, which I feel very emotional about. Um, But the point is that, I mean, that's, it's just, you know, the utter horror. But I suppose the question I would ask is, in terms of, as one of the protest leaders, what's the strategy now? Because at the moment we have a conservative government going, we'll just give carte blanche to the Israeli government to behave as they wish. You've got a Labour opposition where the Labour leader supported war crimes and then lied through his teeth and now is just letting, um, you know, he's just ignoring MPs who who stand against him. So what do you see as the strategy um, going forward? Well, look, in the immediate, we've got to use every um, channel and avenue um, to build public pressure on our leaders to call for a ceasefire. Um, and look, people often ask the question, well, what will the protests achieve? Um, it's a valid question. You know, people always go back to the question of the Iraq war devils. I was on them. I'm sure you were. Um, and, and it didn't, yeah, and it didn't stop the war, did it? So, but, but part of my argument is, yeah, but it mobilized or politicized an entire generation. And it set a benchmark as well against which what then unfolded, it wasn't a question of being able to say, well, we told you so. Uh, but what unfolded, I think, had an impact on some degree of political decision making in, in, in sort of other arenas. So, look, the first thing we have to do, and this is what our Palestinian partners are asking, they say you need to you, you need to build pressure through, through all appropriate actions uh, to put pressure on your leaders. Part of that, I think, because I think what's giving the government cover at the moment is the position of the Labour Party. Um, that's given them cover. And I think that is starting, I think the pressure on the Labour Party needs to be maintained. I think it's really important that councillors continue, you know, if more and more councillors are standing down, I would call on members of the shadow cabinet. I know there's a number, you know, who are looking at this and saying this is indefensible. I think Labour MPs need to be told in no uncertain terms uh, that this is going to have a consequence for you at the ballot box. So I think that pressure has to be maintained. Um, but we know we know the dynamics here. We know all sorts of factors out of our control, which is to what extent will ultimately decision-making in this country be determined by being close to the US position, etc. All of those factors. Uh, and it may be the case that actually we are going to have to wait weeks and see many more tens of thousands of Palestinians die. I think if I'm looking at the longer term, you know, part of what we are doing is building a a broad and wide campaign that has its focus. The question, um, you know, whenever we bring a Palestinian speaker over, they're always asked the question, what can we do? And they always give the same answer, which is, you know, take action in your country to end the complicity of your government, your public bodies, your companies and corporations, which takes you straight to the call for boycott, divestment and sanctions. Um, And those are the campaigns we need to bring people into. I think what I'm seeing from this moment, you know, 
there are hundreds and hundreds of people who are becoming deeply involved in this. We are, we are getting people joining us at the moment, becoming full-time members of PSC at the rate of over 50 uh, a day. We've got requests to set up. We've got 70 branches around the country. We've had requests in the past few weeks to set up 10 more across the country. I'm being told about, you know, school children who are mobilizing. I was told about a school where the school advised all of the children to come in wearing white as a symbol of peace because there was this horrible conflict between warring people that had been going on um, and we needed to respect the position of both sides, etc. So that type of argument that we frame this not as a situation of oppression, but as some complicated conflict. Yeah. And actually what happened, you know, two or three of the school children sent, sent something out to their colleagues to say this is entirely wrong. I mean, God, I wish I'd been as politicised as they were at the age of 12 and said this is wrong, this is what's going on. And what did they do? They all turned up wearing the colours of the Palestinian flag. So, you know, some of this stuff you don't put back in the box. You know, we know this is a moment where Palestine is across everybody's radar and there are people that want to be active and some of those, some of that will dissipate. But there's also a whole body of people who will remember this moment, remember the starkness of what the Palestinian people are subjected to. And that has to go into the energy of building a broad and wide movement for change. This has to be an absolute seminal moment because now we're seeing what happens if you don't take action? What happens if you don't address oppression? What happens if you sit by as Israel goes farther and farther to the right and starts having as its elected government representatives, people who are self-declared proud fascists, you end up with a genocide unfolding. Um, so we all have a responsibility to do something about that. So that's, you know, that's the bones of a longer term strategy. It comes back to the fundamentals, which is same argument used with apartheid. You know, what sustained it for years was complicity. And once exactly. actually there was an active movement to say that's got to end, uh, then the bricks start falling, don't they? Amen to that. And that central point about how our government arms and supports Israel and other Western governments, and that makes the government directly complicit. And just not all the point in terms of this has to be something different. I was on with the Tory MP Lynn Fox, who's a former defense minister. And the point I made to him was you brought us Afghanistan, you brought us Iraq, you brought us you brought us Libya. Every single time, every single thing you said was proved wrong. And every yeah. the worst fears of the critics were vindicated. He can't agree with you. Was possible. Oh. The cat does. He's very insistent <laughs> about the point, by the way. Uh, there you, go. you can see him running around. Um, but they walk, they you know, they walk from crime scene to crime scene, covered in yet more blood, demanding more blood. And this time they can't get away with it. But anyway, that was brilliant, Ben. And obviously, oh, uh, I fingers so. crossed everyone will turn up in great numbers on Saturday mm. and spread the words, friends, um, relatives, colleagues, drag random people off the street if necessary, and we'll all be there. Um, Thank you. I'd echo that. Bring everybody you know. Bring everybody you know. Including my cat. Including the cat, maybe. Okay. Uh, thanks, folks. Please like and subscribe. And thank you so much to Benjamin. I do uh, support the Palestine Solidarity campaign. You, I'll include a link so people can join them. And speak to you soon. Cheers. Thanks ever so much. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all. 
jewelry that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.